0: You're listening to The Jazz Session with Jason Crane. Since 2007, the original jazz interview podcast.
1: Lesson 1. Basic Hip Welcome to The Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. This is episode 505 for January 15th, 2020. On today's show, organist and more, Brian Charette. This show is supported by its members without whom The Jazz Session would not be possible. There are now two levels, 5 and $10 per month, both of which come with cool bonus material. Visit thejazzsession.com and join today. My sincere thanks to Nicholas Sheets for becoming the newest member. Brian Charette's new solo album is called Beyond Borderline. Charette, welcome back to the Jazz Session.
0: Jason, so nice to be back here. I had such a great time last time we spoke and have been following your shows. Incredible interviews.
1: Thank you so much. And uh, likewise, I've been following your music, which, I mean, you... I have a nicer apartment now. <laughs> you know, it's so funny <laughs> you because... You came to my place in the East Village last I did. And in preparation for this interview, I listened to the first one, you know, just to make sure I didn't tread over uh-huh. any old ground. And uh, yeah. I, you know, just from what I see of your life on social media, it seems like things have changed. You would just come back from from Prague at that point. We were in your East Village yeah. apartment, uh, you yeah. know, kind of surrounded by uh, Kung Fu form charts and things like that. And. <laughs> uh the first sextet record uh. had just come out and you know now as we uh-huh. sit here in 2020 the third one has just come out and in between you've put out or around those things not just in between you've put out tons and tons of great music that is it seems like you know every record is different from every other record which i think is really cool i thought we could start with uh, beyond borderline which is the most recent thing it just came out a couple months sure. ago and uh-huh. i have to say that I have heard very few solo organ records, so this is a little Me outside, too. you know, my my know. zone of experience, and I wasn't really sure exactly what I was getting into. I mean, I know that there was a record before sure. this as well. It's, you know,
0: Hammond organ is kind of unusual in the first place. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, it's a, it's maybe it's a rare instrument. You know, you don't see it a lot. Some people don't even know what it is when they see it for the first time. And, you know, there was another, this is the follow-up to, to Borderline, Borderline, yeah. which was maybe 2013. And this is Nils Widner's idea. This is the head of Steeplechase had the idea that he wanted to do. Was so, I mean, you know, you're totally exposed. And beyond Borderline, I don't know if you know the story of the session we were recording. He usually does a bunch of records in Paramus at a great studio called Trading Eights. And it was the wintertime. And, you know, I live in New York. I don't have a car. And you got to take a bus from Port Authority. And I was doing a sideman session for Ivonic Prynne. And we got done with the session, and the forecast was for snow the next day. So I said, Mills, we should do the organ record right now. And he <laughs> said, uh, how long is it going to take to do? I said, how much music do you need? And he said, 60 minutes. I said, it's going to take 60 minutes. <laughs> um, so it's like almost all first takes. And it's solo. I mean, it's just right. There's no hiding, you know, so it's very raw. I think I enjoy to listen to it. It's unusual music. You know, I play some, I dip into some of the unusual messianic harmony. You know, I go a lot. I can go a lot of different places because it's just me. There's nobody else that I have to communicate my
2: path to.
1: And it doesn't feel lacking. I mean, that's, I I think one of the things that's most impressive about it is that, you know, the whole time I'm listening to it, I'm not thinking, ah, it's too bad there's not a drummer right now. Like, it feels, Uh it just feels like a complete. A completely realized piece of music. The fact that it's all first takes uh, on the spur of the moment is even more insane. It's not even all more first insane, takes, but, <laughs> but it's kind of... <laughs> that's yeah. pretty impressive. There's a lot of variety on this record, too. You know, How much of this did you kind of have in your head before you sat down to record this thing? Had this been a, a <laughs> long, a long none, fermenting, none or it. you just sat down after he said, let's do it and let's go?
0: Yeah, I just sat down. I don't even know if I knew what I was going to play completely. You know, I'm always having this year I had to prepare so much music and I was writing for some bigger ensembles, which is really time consuming. And sometimes I would show up for something like that and not have a clear game plan, which is kind of unlike me because I'm pretty scripted. But uh, in this instance, I didn't really know where the songs were going to go. I was just improvising and I let it I went where it could take me, you know, and I didn't have to worry about, oh, will the drummer know where I am or, you know, so I could really go wherever I wanted to go. And I had already done a record that day, so I was pretty warmed up. You know, I was actually playing piano the whole day, though, so it was very interesting to play like the first half of the day on piano and then the second half of the day on organ
1: and talk to me about the the multiple roles on organ that you have to play on Beyond Borderline, which includes being the bass player, uh, you know, keeping the time and being both mm-hmm. the player of the melodies and the improviser. I mean, I know that is just a, a standard part of the organ gig. I, I get that, but talk to me about what it's mm-hmm. like when there's no one else there to pick up any slack. Well, I
0: mean, you got to be very present, I guess. Um, you got to be very careful about the time, and my time floats a little bit at points on the album i think that's natural though it's very physical to play the organ with the pedals and all the things i mean you kind of have to be very balanced too because you're moving your limbs in a way where you're almost like going to fall over you know so you have to be very balanced and you have to be very still all the parts do work together though and it feels like one thing after you've done it for a long time you know it doesn't feel like you're doing separate things it feels like one thing
1: there's so much original music on this album that uh i hesitate to to mention one of my favorite things is the version of uh chelsea bridge on here but it is just mm-hmm. stunning the oh, version of chelsea song. bridge on here it's a
0: beautiful song you know <laughs> It has uh, like kind of naturally built-in organ shouty kind of sections. You know, and that's a, he, those guys wrote all in D-flat, which is not the easiest key. And I have a <laughs> bent pinky. key. I don't know if you remember. So some, that key is not particularly easy for me because my, my last finger is bent a little bit. So especially to play the chords, it's a little hard.
1: And that song is followed on the album by, I think, my favorite thing on the album, which is Girls, which I, <laughs> right. I just really right. dig. I, it's It's super fun to listen huh? to, and I wonder where that came from. <laughs>
0: It came from my experiences with girls, Jason.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> actually, during that time, I'm very happily married now, um, luckily. But I was living in Prague and I had, you know, a few Czech girlfriends, which was quite an experience.
1: Tell me about being uh, happily married now. When did you get married? I knew, I knew that you were, but when did that happen?
0: I actually met my wife in Prague where we were both teaching in a school in the summer um, called Yezik Conservatory. They had a a jazz program and she is from South Africa and she was doing her own tours there. I was doing my tours there and we knew each other only professionally for maybe four or five years and we grew to like and then love each other. And uh, we've been married for two and a half years. She's incredible, Melanie.
1: And you uh, work together now as well. Uh, it, we work uh, together. We last spring, we have like a,
0: it's almost like you know, a eurythmics kind of duo <laughs> where I play drum machines and she sings and she sings in the folk like lang- She sings in many languages. She speaks Norwegian. She speaks the, uh, Kosa with the clicks from South Africa and she can loop this and sing mm-hmm. on top of it. So she's, I call her the talented Charette, you know, she's a really compelling artist. So, yes, we work together. She actually has been working with Lincoln Center and Winton Marsalis for their new South African songbook. I don't know if you know this program, but she's one of the composers. She's incredible. And, you know, I've been very fortunate <laughs> to meet her.
1: The Jazz Session is the first and oldest jazz interview podcast. It started back when very few people knew what a podcast was, and most folks thought you needed an iPod to listen to one. Nearly 13 years later, the show is still going strong, but I'd like to be able to do so much more with The Jazz Session. More in-person interviews, more festival coverage, more travel, and that's only possible if you decide that you value this show enough to support it. If you do, go to thejazzsession.com and become a member for five or ten bucks a month. You'll get bonus episodes, early access to every show, and more. Thanks for being here all these years. Now become part of the next thirteen years by becoming a member. Back to the show. mentioned at the top, you know, how much music you've put out in recent years. One thing I wanted to talk about was uh, your uh, recent record with George Coleman, just one of the greats of mm-hmm. his music. Can you talk about how that came about? Sure.
0: I have been friends with George Jr., who's George Coleman Sr.'s son, who plays drums very well, for longer than I've been in New York. And it's almost the way I came to New York. So I met George Coleman Jr. 30 years ago, I think and we were on the gig. I was living in the Hartford area, and we were playing up there, just some jazz gig. Um, and he said, man, you should move to New York. We kept in contact. I moved to New York a few years later and ended up being in George Jr.'s rehearsal studio, because I, I just had a B3, and he had actually a well-known rehearsal spot in the Lower East Side. Adam Holtzman was there. Tommy Campbell used to rehearse there. There was uh, Van Romaine. a lot of great downtown New York dudes had their studio there. So I was there for years and got to meet his dad that way because the dad occasionally would come to the studio and jam with us. So that's like 26 or seven years ago. Fast forward way in the future, George Jr., who I've been working with for years, his dad had a gig in Memphis at actually Elvis Presley's first home to give concerts. And, and they called me to do the gig. So that's how we all Started to play for the first time. We got along very well. You know, I'm obviously very influenced by him, specifically on those uh, Miles Davis 1964 albums. And that's how we started to work together. Nils called me to do a session a few years ago. I had just worked with that band. I recommended that we record that group with Vic on guitar, who we saw, sadly very lost a few days ago. And Vic is incredible on that session, you know. And that's how that recording came about. It's been nothing but incredible for me to work with him. We did the Charlie Parker Festival this year. We played at the Blue Note when the album came out. It was a very successful concert. So dream come true stuff for me.
1: that you mentioned the dream come true thing at the end because like at this point now after 12 years i've had a, of doing this show i've had a chance uh to talk to you know many people who i consider to be musical heroes and while i try to have some sort of you know dispassionate interviewer sense there's also a definite fanboy sense going on at you know at the sure. same time and so i just uh, you're kind of even one level different than that because not only are you talking with him, but you're making music. So when you make music with somebody who is as much a luminary in this music as George Coleman, do you still have that, that fanboy feeling going on at the same time?
0: Sure. And, you know, sometimes more than others, but I, you know, I've been working a lot with Oz, who's an incredible guitarist and we recorded with Vinnie Colaiuta. I mean, that was like pretty yeah. amazing for me. Uh, and we recorded with Dave Weckl and these guys were very big, heroes of mine. When I was, you know, when I was first starting to listen to jazz, the first uh, Chick Korea acoustic band album came out, which was huge for me. And uh, I've gotten to work. I don't know uh, Chick, but I know John Patitucci pretty well. And, you know, it's amazing to be able to, to play with these people who are on albums that you idolized when you were a kid, you know,
1: yeah, the first uh, Chick Electric Band record was huge for me, and I, I, John, he's
0: he's my favorite, he's my favorite period.
1: Yeah, he's yeah. just he's, amazing. Wow, and I can remember yeah. like sitting in John Patitucci's living room to interview him for this show and thinking, oh, I'm sitting in John Patitucci's living room, <laughs> like that's he's you know, an angel. He's he like really the is man in music. Yeah, yeah he's, he's really nice. Super, super great. Uh, We're kind of doing this chronological step backward through recent recordings. And if we keep going, that brings us to an album that I really, really dug and that I was very surprised by. And that's the record Backup, because one of the other people on it is Henry Hay. And Mm -hmm. so if folks know uh, who the two of you are, one of you, well, you both play piano, but one of you plays piano. Well, you know, we're
0: neighbors. We're neighbors and friends. Yeah. That's kind of how that all came about. It's you know? so wild and, to uh, hear that combination yeah. together
1: on a record. Tell me about it.
0: You know, I guess it was influenced. My first time I did that was I played on Andy Laverne's. I'm not sure if I recorded with him, but I played in his group that had drums, organ, and piano. And I thought it was a great combination. And Henry and I had been talking about that for a while. And I had, uh, we were doing gigs together at the time with Jochen, who plays drums on that recording, Jochen Lukert. And because we were playing a lot, I suggested it to Nils, and he liked it, and uh, and that's how we made that record. You know, we do a lot of Larry Young stuff on there. And, you know, Henry is an incredible pianist, and he he's also into electronics like me, like with Rudder and all of these uh, other groups that he plays with. So we, we're kind of a similar keyboard artist, I think. So I, thought, I think that was very interesting to listen to.
1: Yeah, and tell me about navigating it, like, in the actual playing, because that's a lot of fingers and a lot of keys happening all at one time. I just try
0: not to play the wrong notes, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> We're obviously listening to what each other is doing and at, at the highest expression of it being complimentary. You know, it's all about awareness. You know, that's the, that's the whole trick of it.
1: Of it. Let's take a moment to thank the folks who make the Jazz Session possible, starting with the members who support it. And also the Respect Sextet at respectsextet.com for the theme music and Dave Rabel for the logo. Chuck Ingersoll is the voice of the intro. Hire him at hearchucknow.com. Follow the Jazz Session on Twitter at jazzsesh and on Instagram at thejazzsession. I often post clips from the archives on both those accounts. Take a second right now to rate and review The Jazz Session on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It greatly improves my ability to reach new listeners. If you'd like to keep up to date on my podcast, poetry, and more, subscribe to my twice-monthly newsletter. Go to thejazzsession.com and click on the newsletter link. Now back to the show. I'm really interested, and the umlaut always makes me doubt that I'm pronouncing it right, but it it just looks like (laughs) current. I'm hoping that's that's like a metal umlaut, right? Like that's... um, It could
0: be. Like a motley crew umlaut or whatever. You know, I was a... I'm a metal guitar player first. Like, that was my thing. I'm not sure if we were thinking specifically about that, but it's a little tongue-in-cheek, and it's meant to be... You know, the, the thing about current is that was a self-released album. And for the 10 years previous to that, I had been only recording for Steeplechase and Positone. And, you know, those are, I don't want to say they're conservative labels, but that the stuff on Current is too out and not appropriate for what they're doing, you know? So I never really got a chance to explore the electronics and all of these things as fully as I did on Current. So that was kind of the whole purpose of that album for me was to examine these sounds of synthesizers and this circuit-bent stuff, which is basically misfiring electronics. And, you know, combining it with organ is
1: unusual, you know, and I'm
0: still trying to tame it myself. But I think current is the kind of direction I'm going in, even though I'm not sure that's the finest expression of it. Like, I think with my recent stuff, I've kind of come a little bit back into the middle because current is avant-garde sometimes like it's pretty out there so I've come back a little bit to traditional jazz but I'm trying to mix the two now in a in a, a way that I can find a very original voice in
1: hearing about your love for for chick it makes sense to me because well, I mean there's a lot a lot of facets to chick too but but current really mm-hmm. puts me in mind of those not necessarily soundscape wise but kind of feeling wise and in, in mind of those 80s chick bands
0: sure you know, him and Joe all I'm very influenced by these guys. When I listen to music, I'm listening to Weather Report a lot. Like, I'm really into electronics. I listen to electronic music a lot, too. I'm really into unusual sounds, especially mixed with, like, the organ, which is itself an electronic instrument.
1: Yeah, one thing you were talking about in our, our first interview, and I encourage people to go back and listen to that for a, a kind of fuller intro to Brian's earlier years. Yeah, One thing you were talking about is that a lot of your influence comes from the stuff you listen to that is outside of, you know, the kind of more traditional world of jazz. Mm -hmm. And it feels like, you know, with what you've been into recently, that that's still very much the case.
0: You know, it's interesting because in ways, when I go to play jazz now, I'm playing super inside. Like my jazz, I think, is almost getting more... I'm almost thinking it's two different paths for me now instead of one, in a way, when I play jazz. When I'm playing... You know, some of these like current type compositions, you know, it's slightly different directions, but my more inside stuff is starting to get really inside, I feel like. I think I'm starting to be a little less interested in improvising a lot
1: outside of a key for some reason.
0: Like, I like it to be inside more with my jazz improvising now for some reason.
1: It strikes me as possibly one of those things about like finding freedom through structure, like, mm-hmm. you know, st- staying staying inside and imposed set of boundaries to see what it causes you to do. You know,
0: I think a lot of times, too, personally, when I was doing some really out things, I was forcing it a little bit. And I think as I'm getting a little older, I'm starting to be a little more natural in my approach. I think sometimes, you know, when I listen to some of my stuff when I was younger, it sounds like I'm trying a little too hard sometimes. And I think I've let that relax a little bit.
2: Thank you.
1: Talk to me about the Sextet, you know, having written three albums worth of uh, music for it now. Do you see changes in the way that you're writing for the band as the years go on?
0: Sure. And, you know, when I did the first Sextet record, when we first spoke, I had never written for I mean, I had written little things for larger ensembles, but not for an album that was to be recorded. And since then, I've been writing music for lots of big ensembles. So to come back and to write for the sextet is almost, you know, half as easy as all of the other things I've been writing. So that whole we just did a whole album, I wrote it in a few days, like all the songs. I use this program Sibelius, which is excellent, and a flute. And I just write it down and score and it blows it out into the parts. It's really interesting to see how that band has developed because it's almost like the art ensemble of Chicago, to me somehow. Like when we play our live gigs, there's a lot of sections that just break down and I'll conduct them. And they're kind of like a wind ensemble. It's an unusual instrumentation. It's flute, two saxophones and bass clarinet, which is a very reedy sound that I love. And I think this last record is, is my favorite. I think it's my favorite, the one that we just did. And I've gotten to know the guys in the band very well. And I just love the sound of that section with the flute and the bass and the bass clarinet i love the sound
1: yeah it really is a a fabulous sounding band and i mean with the players who are in it (laughs) that's not super surprising yeah there's some there's some
0: (laughs) serious puns in there you know (laughs) yeah
1: that, that is the truth yeah
0: um i think i was also very influenced by john ellis's double wide who i was working with at the time and that's kind of where i first played with bass clarinet a lot and i'm like john what the hell is that thing and I really fell in love with the sound of the bass clarinet. And I would almost say the sextet, the idea for it came, part, came partly from that and partly from, do you remember Omer Avital's group oh, yeah, that had yeah. many years ago with the four saxophones? Yep. It also had an amazing impact on me. And I think the sextet is kind of influenced by those groups.
1: Talk to me about, uh, given you know, we've already discussed like 75 albums that have come out <laughs> in the last few years, talk to me about what's on your, uh, what's on your plate right now. What are the things that you're, that you're thinking about and, and working on that we may hear in the future?
0: Well, I'm going to go to Europe in the spring, and I have to write some music for an orchestra.
1: Which I assume you'll do in the plane on the way over?
0: I'm not going to do it in the plane, <laughs> but I surely haven't started it yet. <laughs> um, I've also been playing in kind of a rock trio with Anton Figg
1: oh, and wow,
0: Noy, and we're going to record a little video. I'm going, to, I'm going to Los Angeles to play some gigs for the Nam show. I'm going to play in the Hammond booth. I'm going to play for D'Angelico and for IK Me- Multimedia, and then I play some gigs the next week in LA. The 23rd, I'm at the Baked Potato, I think, with a really cool fusion drummer, Gary Novak, who I've been a fan of for years. And then I'm going to go to Portland on the 25th to play a concert at the Goodfoot, and then I fly back to New York.
1: And so if uh, folks are listening to this show in real time that's coming right up today is uh, on or about January 15th of 2019. I I realized uh, it's funny I uh, when I was listening 2020. Or 2020. Oh my <laughs> god. Thank you so much. I know, I
0: can't get it either and you know I didn't go out this New Year's Eve so no. I was even more stunned that we're in another decade.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for correcting me because um, I was I was going to say that in uh, I don't I don't very often listen to you know old episodes of my own show but i would do, i do listen to ones when people are coming back on and so as i said i was listening to ours and i noticed when i was listening to it that i never say the year ever so when you know when you're listing all these gigs that you were doing at the time obviously people can look at when the episode came out but it's never clear when it is when in history we are when we're talking so now i'm trying to do it but i know that for these next several episodes that i record it's going to be the wrong year unless like you the guest has enough presence of mind to say no it's 2020 now uh yeah Uh well it'll be like signing my checks wrong i guess for the (laughs) for the beginning of this year. So folks, look at the date to make sure that you uh, don't go see Brian in the wrong year. It's 2020 right now and he's talking about gigs that occur in January of this year. It's so cool that you are finding so many different ways to make music. I mean, it's... I don't want to say you're lucky because obviously there's a lot of hard work that goes into it, but you you seem to end up with a lot of different outlets for the various ideas, like not having to shoehorn everything into one record or one ensemble. Mm -hmm. You're kind of able to find different people and and keep exploring, which seems like a a really good place to be in.
0: Well, I like everything too. You know, I don't like just this one thing. Um, And I'm open to, to everybody, you know, so I think that, that makes your pool of people that you're around wider you know that's all
1: my guest for this episode has been Brian Charette he's got another episode of this show in the archives which you can go check out he's got so much music out there so uh, no matter what you're into in the in the jazz slash music in general spectrum Brian's probably got a record that's going to hit you in your good spots so uh, go check (laughs) out what he's up to man it's always uh, it's such a pleasure to talk to you I hope you'll come back again and I thank you for taking the time
0: pleasure to talk to you jason thanks for your great show
1: if you value what you just heard become a member for five or ten dollars a month at the jazz join thanks to this week's guest brian charrette next week my guest will be guitarist david torn until then support live music whenever and wherever you can and come back next time for another conversation about jazz on the jazz session
2: Everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.